Senator Chris Coons from Delaware on Inside Story next. Hey everyone, I'm Matt O'Donnell. It is Sunday, August 26, 2018. Let's get Inside Story going. We have Senator Chris Coons from Delaware here with us. Welcome back to Inside Story. Thanks, Matt. Great yeah, to Thanks be for on. being with us. Let's start with Kavanaugh. Senator Maisie Hirono, a colleague in the Senate with you, has canceled her meeting with the Supreme Court nominee, Brett Kavanaugh. And she said, I quote, this president who is an unindicted co-conspirator in a criminal matter does not deserve the courtesy of a meeting with his nominee, purposely selected to protect his, and she uses a Hawaiian word for rear end. Is that a proper stance for a colleague in the Senate, a Democrat? Well, I respect Senator Hirono's decision to not meet with Judge Kavanaugh. Um, I went ahead and met with Judge Kavanaugh to be better prepared for the confirmation hearing that's going to happen on September 4th, uh, the week right after Labor Day. Uh, the Republican majority in the Senate is insisting on proceeding with confirmation hearings for President Trump's nominee. There's good arguments as to why we shouldn't be having these hearings. We haven't yet gotten his full record from his service in the Bush administration, and there's the concerns that Senator Hirono raised. Uh, but I had a constructive and fruitful conversation with Judge Kavanaugh that has helped sharpen my concerns about his nomination. Biggest concern? Uh, that he has a long record, both in decisions and in speeches and in writings, of standing for a fairly extreme view of the president, of of the executive um, that would prevent us from holding the president accountable. I'll remind you, Judge Kavanaugh worked for Judge Starr for the independent counsel investigation, that he subsequently said that that may have been an unconstitutional law that empowered the independent counsel, that presidents should perhaps be able to um, shield themselves uh, from subpoenas, from investigations, is very concerning to me. That's what I focused on. You co-authored the Special Counsel Independence and Integrity Act to protect special counsel Robert Mueller from basically being fired. Mm -hmm. If the tables were turned and we're talking about a Democratic president mm -hmm. and then there's a special counsel whom Democrats believe is going above and beyond, uh, or Republicans believe is going above and beyond his or her duties, mm -hmm. don't you think having a bill become law like this is a bad idea? I think this makes it much harder for a president to improperly fire a special counsel. And if the president does fire the special counsel, it allows the special counsel to go to a three-judge panel and have them review it. I think that's a reasonable protection to make sure that there is independence and accountability um, for any president who tries to be above the law. But it isn't the strength that Ken Starr had as independent counsel, where he was literally impossible to fire. It's a middle ground. I think it's a bipartisan solution, and I think it's appropriate. Is it bad to pass legislation specific to an individual? Well, it isn't President specific Trump. to an individual. In fact, my, my co-sponsor, Senator Tillis, uh, has said all along since we introduced it a year ago, this is about taking current regulatory protections for the special counsel, making them law for any future special counsel, whether it's in this circumstance or a future one. Quick politics here. President Trump has said Joe Biden is his dream Democratic opponent in the 2020 election. Your thoughts? Uh, he's my dream Democratic nominee. Um, I think Joe Biden, as you know, born in Pennsylvania, um, served, uh, represented the state of Delaware ably for 36 years in the Senate and for eight years as vice president, um, has the character, the personality, the energy, uh, the ability, I think, to be a really great president. Too old school Democrat <laughs> for some people? Maybe. Um, but I think at a time when we're looking for someone um, with experience, um, he served on the Foreign Relations Committee for 36 years. He knows the world. He knows the challenges that we face. He knows how to keep us safe. 
Um, but he's also someone who knows middle-class America, who understands what it means uh, for the folks who've been struggling over the last decade, who feel like they haven't been heard, they've been left out. I think Joe Biden would represent all of America very well. Politico called you the GOP's favorite Democrat. <laughs> for a variety of reasons, we won't get into that. You can read the article. But does this kind of set you up as becoming a dino, which is Democrat in name only? I don't think so. I've got a strongly Democratic record on a core series of issues that you know, are sort of core defining values issues for the Democratic Party. But I also work tirelessly across the aisle to get legislation done. Uh, I've got a record of actually introducing legislation that gets passed and gets signed into law. To do that, you have to work across the aisle. And that's what I think Delawareans expect me to do. You don't have to worry about this until 2022, right? 2020. So have, 2020, uh, yes. Should I seek re-election in 2020, which I am planning on? Okay. Um, that's uh, one of the issues I think we'll have to debate. House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi has vowed to raise taxes if Democrats regain power of Congress or at least in the House to offset the Trump tax cuts. Is this something your constituents in Delaware would like to see? Um, what I think my constituents would like to see is for us to be able to cover the costs of um, the programs that folks rely on and they love, whether it's Medicare and Medicaid, whether it's investment in higher education and public safety. Uh, we just passed a bipartisan appropriations bill yesterday, $870 billion for our Department of Defense um, to fight the opioid crisis, to invest more in public health and in education, a, a wide range of things. That bill's coming due. Um, our deficits are rising, and I think we need to have the revenue to pay for those expenses. I suspect that you would wish your Democratic colleagues would use the word impeach less. Is that true? Yes. How so? Why? I, I think it's important for us to focus on doing the business of the nation right now. Um, I think we need to let um, Special Counsel Mueller finish his investigation. Part of why I've worked so hard on a bipartisan basis to protect the special counsel uh, is I think he is a seasoned, respected career federal law enforcement leader who will get to the bottom of this. We should wait until we get the answers from his investigation and not just jump to conclusions. Final question. Do you worry that all this talk of a blue wave coming up for the midterms could in fact mirror what happened in the 2016 presidential election where there was this coronation of Hillary Clinton mm -hmm. that ended up not happening at all? Any time you tell voters we're taking you for granted, they're likely to teach you a lesson. So uh, I don't think we should take for granted a single vote. I think we need to work hard, respect our constituents, respond to their concerns. If there ends up being a blue wave, it should be because we earned it, uh, not because of um, some problem or difficulty in the other party. I think it's important for the Democratic Party to put out, here's what we stand for, here's what we're going to fight for, and here's why we want your vote. Senator Chris Coons from Delaware, thanks for stopping by. Thank you, man. We'll see you later. Our panel is next. 6ABC's Inside Story is presented by Temple University. Back with our panel here on Inside Story, let us meet these fine gentlemen and gentle women. George Burrell, attorney, nonprofit executive. Good morning, Good morning George. Christine Flowers, attorney, journalist. Hello, Christine. Hey, Matt. Donna Gentile O'Donnell, nonprofit executive. Good morning, Matt. Good morning. And Ed Trzanski, foreign policy analyst. Good morning. Good morning to you all. Thanks for being here. Quick reaction around the table, Senator Coons. Decent guy. Very decent man. Um, sort of like an echo of uh, the, the politicians of yesteryear who could be very um, specific and, 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 and represent themselves well, represent their party, represent their politics, and yet not be antipathetic towards someone else. Um, 
crossing the lines, I think. Uh, I, I've always looked at him as someone who wasn't an ideologue, and while I would disagree with much of his politics, I think that he's someone that is in Washington to actually do good and work and not just simply stand there and say, this is the line and you shall not cross he's it. He's a moderate, isn't he? That's like a dirty word in Washington well, it, these it, days, it's, isn't it? it? I think it is a dirty word in Washington right now. Um, and I, I think what's probably most important about what I heard him talk about was his actual interview with the nominee. Uh, I think there's a lot of assumptions being made about this nominee, and he actually dug in using that interview as a vehicle to do so and examined uh, what his orientation is with respect to the executive privilege of the president. And this is going to be incredibly important going forward. And he left that engagement saying, now I'm more worried about this guy. Ed That's George. important. Yeah, I, I think, you know, I really appreciated his comments about it protecting uh, Mueller and the investigation. And though I think I would like to see him and other Democrats, you know, we should leave the, the, the question of collusion until we get to the end of the road. Yeah. But if there's no collusion investigation, Cohen and Manafort are walking free, living corrupt lives with free access to the White House and all of its power today. Ed. Uh, I'll echo what Christine said. I think that Senator Coons is one of those people you can have good faith disagreements with. In other words, we don't impugn each other's motives or honor. I disagree with him on the question of the special counsel because I think there are constitutional issues. However, I'm sure we could have a fulsome discussion where at the end of it, we may not agree on that, but we'll find other things that we do agree with. And uh, we re the times really call for people l of that cut. I, I think of Pat Toomey when I think of Senator Coombs. I think he's the same kind of individual. Moving on, we have a debate. Hooray. Pennsylvania Governor Tom Wolf has agreed to debate his GOP challenger, Scott Wagner, on October 1st. Wolf has said, though, this will be his only debate of the campaign. The Wagner team, of course, pounced on that immediately because... Wolf faced Governor Tom Corbett three times when he was running for governor. Answer, the debate will be this longtime Jeopardy host. Question, who is Alex Trebek? <laughs> On the debate first with the, the candidates, but Alex Trebek. I think it's a way to drive up interest in the debate, to be honest. Uh, and I also think that Trebek is pretty good at asking questions. He's got a yes. lot of documented experience so that's going to be interesting but I also think um, I want to note for the record what Wagner himself said in a recent interview with John Baer he said that he should take 15 medications and he used an expletive um, before he talks to anyone because he is misspoken so many times he's I mean he's great theater he's not great for government Alex Trebek uh, I'm not clear I mean Alex Trebek you know he is who he is but what kind of informed follow-up questions does he ask candidates for governor of the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania. I don't see how, what, yeah, how I agree. I, I mean, don't see it's, it's, value it's to an the interesting discussion. way to get more people to watch, maybe for the first 15 minutes. But I'm, I'm with George. I think uh, you, you'd rather have, if not one, maybe a panel of individuals like yourself who know the issues, who talk about them all the time. And uh, this, we're in the age of celebrity. I suppose that's what this is. I mean, it, it absolutely is. Uh, I don't know if Watson was unavailable. No, he's there to give <laughs> a speech. He, he's there to give a speech for the you. chamber. Does Steve Harvey, I think that they should have had him. Because that would have been more exciting. That would have driven up ratings. Should, should, should Governor Wolf agree to more than one debate? 
well, not politically, because if he feels that he's ahead and he's going to minimize his risk, but you would think that some people are going to look at it and say you're hiding by not giving him more than one debate. Well, I think, and I mean, yeah, he's he's in a, a position of, uh, of uh, he's he's in a beneficial position for himself right now. But if he thinks that drawing Scott Wagner out um, might hurt Wagner's chances, because as as Don has said, I mean, he shoots from the hip, and sometimes he'll say things, and you go, what? what you know, what is that? So maybe it would be in Governor Wolf's best interest to have him out there and maybe going a little awol. I, I I think the governor thought there were actually going to be debates and they were going to be about substance and not about right. theater, I think he would agree to more of them. I think clearly he's, he's ahead, so you're only going to, but I think he would do more than one, but I think he believes they're not going to be debates. They're going to be Scott Wagner being Scott Wagner, calling him names. And, and, and unfortunately, Scott Wagner is one of those guys who creates his own facts. <laughs> and, and then well, provides the answers that aren't, that, that, provide, so. that provide answers that aren't really I'm sure accurate. you would disagree with that. Uh, <laughs> Governor Wolf, one debate, maybe if Scott Wagner released his tax returns, Governor Wolf would do more than one debate. I mean, this is another playbook from Trump. Uh, Scott Wagner won't release them. And he actually said his reasoning is his income is nobody else's business. You know, that really... I can't say it on the air. That angers me, though, because, you know, no one's asking him to enter the public sphere. No one's saying, yo, run for office and become a public figure. He did this. He wants this. And so he does owe the people of Pennsylvania, you know, to, to see his tax returns. And just the financial statements are not enough. They're skeletal, essentially. So, and, and his reasoning that, well, then they're going to be able to use that against me and go around to my non-union employees and, and sort of drum up some kind of resentment, that's irrelevant. That's not, that's not a reason not to let the people that you want to govern know how much money you are making. Did you see the poll? Uh, Commonwealth Leaders Fund, it's a conservative poll believes that, or their polling suggests that Wagner is trailing Governor Wolf by only three points, yeah. 46 to 43, where there's a Marist poll saying that Wolf is up 54 to 40 on Wagner. Yeah, I think that conservative, I think they passed around the Kool-Aid before they made those announcements. I, I don't think there's any legitimacy to those numbers. Yeah, it, it's very rare that the media covers polls that they don't get any access to the internal information exactly, about this poll. Exactly this right. poll was done internally by an organization. It wasn't even, they didn't hire a professional pollster to do it. Mm -hmm. And not even my, my dearest Republican friends think this is a three-point race. Mm -hmm. yeah. The closest I've heard is seven, eight, or nine. Uh, and, but it's, it's clearly not a three-point race, and this clearly isn't. It could poll. tighten up, too. Yeah, but that's, sure. that's later, that but it's not, it's not where it is right yeah. now. All right, let's talk about another big race in the region we've been covering here on Inside Story. A new poll suggests the New Jersey Senate race is tightening. Democratic Senator Bob Menendez has been in a dogfight to win re-election. It's one year after his federal corruption trial, which ended in a jury deadlock. A new Quinnipiac poll has him ahead of GOP challenger Bob Hugan by only six points. He's the incumbent. That's a pretty tight margin, especially at this point in the race. Hugan, though, is hardly on a cakewalk. He's facing criticism over pricing drugs as head of pharmaceutical giant Celgene. I'll ask you this question, which was posed in a NJ.com article. It asks, could Menendez be the only New Jersey Democrat to lose in these midterms? 
Could, but I think unlikely. I, I think the voters will return him to office. I think Hugan, I think he's got a big problem. You can't, you can't make 300% profit on cancer drugs when you're the CEO of a company, as many of these pharmaceutical companies are doing, taking existing therapeutics and bumping up the price so dramatically and standing in between life-saving treatment for cancer patients. And I mean, that's just not gonna fly. I think if Menendez continues to point that out, and others that have an interest in his reelection continue to point that out. I think Hugan loses. Momentum, momentum on Hugan's side, though, right? Well, you know, I don't think uh, what, what Don has said is really troubling, and the fact that he also that Hugan also tried to prevent the development of generic drugs, um, which would have been competition for his own. But, but also, I don't think he's enough of a contrast to Menendez mm -hmm. socially, even. I mean, he's pro-choice. So if there are Tea Party or there are individuals, you know, Trump supporters who really want someone who is that different from Menendez, Hugan is not that person. You don't think the base but, is going to get excited of him? No. No, I don't think so. But, but, at, but at the end of the day, I think if, I, if I'm Menendez, I'm feeling reasonable, com reasonably comfortable that a guy spent $15 million and I'm still six points ahead. That's right. but, but the ultimate question is once you get to Labor Day, is what are the resources that Menendez is going to have to fight back? I mean, because he's got to be able to communicate these messages sure, that we're talking about. A bunch, a well, bunch I think, yeah, he's going to be an important election, but, you know, they're going to be making tough judgments. And I, but as I said, if a guy spent $15 million and I'm still six points ahead, I feel pretty good about that. For the reasons already stated, this will be yet another instance of the Republicans having a seat that they should have picked up that didn't have the right candidate to meet the mood of the electorate. Um, the reasons that Donna and Christine mentioned really do impugn the motives of the challenger here. And New Jersey is a tough climb for Republicans anyway. Christy you know, Hangover? You've got to be a little bit of that, but it just in general, just the numbers are, are, are against you if, if you're a Republican. But yet another case, as we've seen in other Senate races where the Republicans should have had a pickup and they just didn't have the right candidate. Okay. New leadership with the Miss America organization was supposed to right the ship. Instead, the pageant is in a bit of a mess. The current Miss America, Caramund, has accused new chairwoman Gretchen Carlson of bullying her. Carlson went back saying she was surprised by the claims and added Munn's words led to the loss of $75,000 in scholarship money. You can watch the Atlantic City pageant, which, by the way, will no longer feature a swimsuit competition, right here on 6ABC on September 9th. Who is going to watch? <laughs> well, I'm, Alex Trebek is the host. So <laughs> <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think the Miss America concept is a quaint, dated concept that should go away. There are better ways to award scholarships. Um, I think that, the, that this whole phenomena of, of conflict associated with it, and you know, to, to be honest, any pageant where women are competing against each other you know, it's it's for to me. It looks like a cat fight. Now the cat fight has gone has gone public. I ask that question because I'm kind of alluding to the fact that this might actually make it all far more interesting. Oh, there's no doubt. This is look. We're in that age of, of pro wrestling, whether it's our <laughs> politics right. or our pageants, right? <laughs> Where there's black hat, white hat, people going at one another. So I think you're right. It's the sort of thing. Um, I'm waiting for Sandra Bullock. What was the movie she was in? Mrs. Congeniality. Just to see whether um, we don't have a fist fight on the stage. So this is making maybe. The real I, I, you know, it's interesting. I think 
they're, they're, it is an interesting time about them. It's an America pageant, but I grew up in a, my, my niece grew up in this pageant world. So there's a really big constituency out there sure. for, for, for this pageant thing. But I do agree that this current fight seems to be more about inside baseball than about really bullying. And I mean, this is just give and take of politics. Okay. Pope Francis has responded to that scathing Pennsylvania Attorney General grand jury report on pre-sex abuse in the state over a matter of several decades. The Pope begged for forgiveness, encouraged lay Catholics to become involved in rooting out abuse or cover-ups, and criticized priests for caring more about their reputation than for the safety of children. Christine, did Pope Francis's statement go far enough? I think it did, and I think it also, the, the impact and the import of it is, is, is going to have some legal impact as well, because he's basically freeing up the archives. He's basically saying, you need to respond to those summonses, those requests, those you know, whatever information that civil authorities are seeking, you need to give it to them. Um, I, I, I have always had a problem with some of the reforms the struggle between the civil and the religious protections for priests, due process, statutes of limitations. But I think that the Pope struck the absolute correct tone when he said, we need to be humble in this and we need to acknowledge what we did wrong open up the archives and and we know about the secret archives now that were held by some of the bishops the cardinals that we know very well inside stories of the week coming right up xabc's inside story is presented by temple university inside stories of the week we start with george yeah i preface this with the fact that i'm not catholic but Ralph Waldo Emerson once said, I cannot hear the words that you speak for the thunder of what you are rings too loudly in my ears. And so I think that what the Pope has said, though they're important words, are not enough. The Pope has to take fairly dramatic action to address not just the wrongs that have been done, but an obvious culture that exists that is going to require a significant amount of change and a significant amount of really aggressive leadership by a Pope for whom I have great respect. Thank you, George. Christine? That is so powerful, George, and that actually helps me segue into, into my story about the Me Too movement. The Me Too movement um, was very life-affirming for a lot of women who had been abused and who felt that they were on the margins of society because of that abuse. However, um, many of the leaders of that movement didn't take the lesson that it doesn't matter what gender the victim is. Asia Argento, the um, Joan of Arc of the movement, the public face of the movement, has been accused of raping a young boy um, when he was under the age of 18. And she denied it. She called him a liar. And that's an example of what you don't do when a victim comes out. So I think the Me Too movement needs to be a bit calibrated. Thanks, Christine. Donna? I just want to add one point to George's observation and the comments about the Pope. I think the Pope is doing everything that he can do, but I think there's something important going on with the Pope. He personally has to grapple with the fact that people that he relied on are part of this, and he's got to figure that out. So I, I, I believe that that will happen. Uh, but on a more positive note, the Obama Foundation is opening their next class of Obama Fellows. So I urge the young people that are the new leaders to get on that website, take a look, apply, think about what you want your contribution to be because we need all of you to be participating in the future. Thanks, Donna. Ed? 
Matt, America is baseball's game because it's historically brought people together. So last Sunday, the Phillies and the Mets played at Williamsport Little League World Series Classic. The kids were on the field. The teams were on the line for the anthem. And at the end, the players shook hands the way the kids did. It was America. See you later.